For those of you that don't know, I'm the student ministries director here uh, at Northview. Uh, uh, I like to play games. We usually play games sometimes. Maybe you can hear us up in the youth room, uh, like making a ton of noise because sometimes we play games on on Sundays. So we're going to play a game today. I want everybody to stand up. And No, I'm just kidding. Sorry, just kidding. <laughs> I did think about it though. I'm like, should we play Shuffle Your Buns? That would be awesome, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, we're in, a, uh, we're in a series right now called Knowing Jesus. Um, you can open up your Bibles to, to 1 John. And I gave a challenge last week um, to the students um, to read through 1 John, to read through this week, uh, to take notes and, and to kind of get into it. And I know that they did it because I, had, I got text messages saying, hey, I, I read through this, or I had conversations with students saying, hey, this is what stuck out to me. I hope that you took the challenge too. I hope that you took the challenge to read through it, because if you did, um, what, you'll, what you have certainly found is that uh, John doesn't mess around. John doesn't mess around. He, he, he kind of lays it all out there and says, this is what it looks like to follow Jesus. This is what it looks like to know Jesus. Your life looks differently when you do. He doesn't, there's no wiggle room in, in uh, John's eyes for following Jesus. It says, you, you are either in the darkness or you're in the light. And, you're, and if you are in the light, then your life looks different. It's, it's some tough stuff if you're, if you're reading it. At least it is for me. Uh, so I hope that you guys uh, read through First uh, John this week. If not, um, hey, we're going to be in this book for the whole month. So you can read through it, and uh, it's so short. Um, read through it in, in a day. You can read through that in a day, and that'd be, that'd be awesome. And, and uh, what John's overall theme is, we kind of talked about this last week, what his overall theme is in this letter is knowing Jesus. That we can know Jesus like we know a friend. And if we know him, our life changes. I, uh, I think back to when I was living in Nicaragua with my parents. Uh, for those of you that don't, don't know, my parents are missionaries down there. Uh, and uh, I think back to living in Nicaragua, and there would be times when people would come visit. Actually, all the time, people would come and visit. It was like my house was a hotel. And uh, people would come through, and they'd be staying. And uh, my parents would always say the same thing. Hey, uh, mi casa es su casa, right? My house is your house, right? And uh, they'd say, welcome into our home. We want you to feel at home here. Um, we want you to treat this place like it's yours. Um, open up the fridge, get food, get whatever you need, uh, do your own laundry. And at first, it was really interesting because uh, at first, people don't, w- weren't like that. They, weren't, they didn't treat, the, treat it like their home. You know what I mean? Uh, they're kind of cautious because you're in somebody else's home. But I, I saw consistently after a while, after these visitors, these sometimes complete strangers, got to know my parents and realized that my dad is like the goofiest, weirdest dude ever and like will make you feel awkward and just like talk to you and ask you crazy questions. And my mom is like the most hospitable, loving person who won't, will never get mad at you. After they, after they learned, see, some, some of you guys are laughing because you know the, you met my parents. Um, so after they learned who my parents were and after they knew them, they started changing. They started really, okay, yeah, this is, they want me to, to have this house like it's my home. They want me to treat this place like it's my home and, and live like it's my home. So after they met my parents, they started changing. And it's the same thing with Jesus Christ. Once we meet Jesus, once we know him, once we start spending time with him, our lives change because we know him. If we know Jesus, our lives cannot be the same. 
So we're going to read through a chunk of scripture today. Uh, I'm going to read through First uh, John chapter 2 all the way to verses, verse 17. So it's a chunk of scripture, but um, bear with me. It'll be up on the screen. Um, or you can follow along in your Bible or your, or your app. I'm reading out of the um, ESV translation. It says this, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. I want you guys to remember that word, advocate. We have an advocate with the Father. Uh, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins. Some of your Bibles might say atonement, and uh, propitiation is just a big fancy word that means Jesus stepped in for us, okay? He stepped in, he, he, t- he took what we deserved. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that, uh, and by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Beloved, I am writing to you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you which is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in the darkness. Whoever loves his brother and abides in the light and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven. For his name's sake, I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I'm writing to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away, along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Let's pray. God, I would ask for your abundant grace on us this morning. Um, I would uh, ask for favor that as we open up your scriptures and hear from you, that we, uh, we would... Uh, be able to understand it, and that we would be, our lives would be changed to uh, better give you glory. We give all glory and honor to you, and we want to know you better. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So when I was uh, in college, uh, I went to Northwest University, and I had a pretty rough time when I was there, if you can imagine. Um, I, when I first got there, I was a freshman, and I thought I was way too cool to be at this school. I was like, you know what? I'm way cooler than all these other kids. I'm not going to get along with anybody here. Uh, it's just not, I don't fit. Um, I'm actually, I deserve to be someplace else. So my freshman year, I literally spent my freshman year trying to get kicked out of school. Um, I don't recommend it because I just like would break rules just for the sake of breaking rules. I'm like, I want to get caught so that I will get kicked out of school so that I would have to go someplace else, right? Um, God had his hand on me, and he had his provision over me, and uh, he put me 
um, on this floor uh, in the dorms called the 500 Ducks. And it's the silliest floor ever, but it kept me um, connected to community. And we had all these stupid, silly traditions. Like, we, were the, we thought when we were at school, we were like, oh, yeah, we're like a frat. No, you're, you're at a Christian school. You're not a frat. Um, but we, we, want, we wanted to be like that. We wanted to be tight-knit. We wanted to have fun. So we'd have all these stupid, crazy traditions, which included, like, carrying around a huge rock for some reason. And it, we would treat it like it was our baby and, like, and no one could touch it. And if someone asked about the rock, you said, oh, I'm carrying it because I'm a duck. Like, the dumbest tradition ever. Like, we probably looked like silly kids. We had literally one tradition called floor tackle. Floor tackle. And it was the first day of finals week, every semester, we would just tackle each other. We, someone would sit at the end of the hall, and someone else would run down the hall and tackle them into a pile of pillows because we wanted to get our stress out or something before finals week. It was awesome, and it was dangerous, and we broke sprinklers and, like, a fire fire systems, all this stuff. It was rad. But <laughs> on that, I, so I, that, that, was my, that was my family g- going to school. I loved these guys. And uh, how I really did not like being there for the first, my freshman year, I ended up staying on that floor all four years, or rather God kept me on that floor for four years. And I ended up being the RA my senior year. So it was a big transition of going from really wanting to be kicked off campus to becoming an RA. And uh, like I said, I loved these guys. I, 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 they were like family to me. And um, I was an RA, and one of, my, one of my guys on the floor did something really stupid because we, um, we play these competitive games at Northwest and uh, kind of like summer camp. And if you win, you get a trophy. If you guys are thinking, oh, a trophy is cool. No, this trophy was a stump, okay? <laughs> nothing, nothing on it. A stump, right? It was, and for some reason, it was coveted and it, every floor wanted this stump. And uh, I don't know why, but we lost. Some kid on my floor thought we should have won. So he naturally jacked the stump from somebody else's room, right? Logical. Uh, ended up getting into this huge thing. The dean of students comes in and is like, Eric, you stole the stump. Or you need to give it back. And so what do I do? <laughs> what do I do? I, I step in and I'm like, oh, I hear about this guy getting, the, the dean of students getting upset at my buddy. And no way, I'm not going to let that happen. I, I sit down and write an email. And maybe some of you guys have done this, but I got like, fingers of fury, and I'm like, and I'm like writing this email, saying things I shouldn't be saying, and I wanted to, just, to try to defend this guy on my floor that was like, he didn't do anything wrong, he was just having fun, and I didn't want him to get in trouble or do anything, so I was trying to protect him. I was trying to speak up for him because I was the RA. I was the, the person in charge of the floor, and I was supposed to protect these guys. Right? That was—it uh, ended up backfiring terribly, and I don't recommend it. Don't write emails when you're angry. If you do, don't send them. I learned that lesson, okay? Maybe some of you guys have already learned that lesson too. But it ended up backfiring, but what I was trying to do for my buddy on my floor, for my brother on my floor, was I was trying to be his advocate. I was trying to be his advocate because he couldn't speak up, or at least I thought he couldn't speak up for himself, and I I needed to talk to the resident's life coordinator. I needed to talk to the dean of students for him, didn't work. We both got in trouble. Hey, God be glorified. I'm here today. Um, <laughs> but Jesus Christ, uh, or, or John uses this word. He calls Jesus Christ our advocate. In verse, uh, in verse 1, he says, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. 
And I want to talk about that word a little bit. Because it's crucially important to our walk with God. Understanding that Jesus is our advocate. Now, when I worked at Youth for Christ before I came to here at, uh, to Northview, um, we would use this language a lot of advocacy. Maybe some of you guys have, have, have used this language. If you flip over your bulletins, you'll see um, the ministry of the week says that they are uh, an advocacy for people who can't speak up for themselves, right? It's, it's, a, it's a natural word that comes out, and what it means is that we speak up for people who can't speak for themselves, we, we, uh, we do something on behalf of someone who can't do it themselves because of limitations in one way or, in, or another. Jesus Christ is our advocate before the Father. We can't go to God because of our sinful state. But Jesus Christ steps in and goes to God for us and speaks to God for us on our behalf. Now, this is probably nothing new for you guys. We were singing a song that, yeah, Jesus, rescue me, right? We need to be rescued. This isn't something new. But what I worry about, and what I think may be our tendency, is to say, yeah, okay, Jesus saves me once, and then, and then I'm good, or then I'm going to try to clean myself up, and I'm going to live my life without him. Or I'm going to—he saved me, but I'm going to—it's my job to clean myself up and, and get better, and, and then, I can, uh, then I can talk to God. But the way John uses it is, no, you can't talk to God without Jesus Christ. You can't go before the Father without Jesus Christ. And uh, we, we, I think we, I hope not, but I worry that we think of Jesus as an advocate that says, I've spoken for you once at the cross, and now my job is done, and you don't need to get to know me anymore. You don't need, you don't need me anymore. But Jesus Christ is a continual advocate for us that continually speaks to God on our behalf. Uh, the, the Greek word there that is used um, is used only uh, one other place in Scripture. And it's when Jesus is talking about um, the Holy Spirit. In John fourteen sixteen. he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. That word helper is the same word. The, that, that there is an advocate uh, who helps us. He says, I will give you a helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. So we have two kinds of advocates here. We have two kinds of advocates. We have Jesus Christ who stands before the Father and, and speaks to us or speaks to the Father for us. And we have the Holy Spirit who helps us, who is our advocate in life. So when, when things are tough, when sin and temptation come, the Holy Spirit empowers us to overcome that sin. We have an advocate in Jesus Christ, and Jesus says, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to leave you alone. I don't want you to struggle in life alone. I'm going to give you my Spirit, who will be an advocate and helper for you. We have two kinds of advocates, and we need both. Jesus in heaven, talking to God, and the Holy Spirit on earth, empowering us to live differently. So I'll ask you guys this question. Does, uh, does God feel distant to you? Does God feel distant or like you can't approach him? And if that's the case, I would say look to Jesus Christ because he's standing in front of God right now talking to him for you. Do you feel like you can't approach God because of sin in your life? You've messed up. Um, you've done something you know you shouldn't have. Like, I, I just can't approach God right now. I would say look to Jesus instead of yourself. 
Are there times when you feel like you just can't pray because of maybe something unresolved in your life? It's like, okay, I just got to clean this up first, and then I'll pray. I'd say, think about Jesus who's standing before God and talking to him for you. That's our advocate. That's how important Jesus Christ is. Sometimes um, students will, will come up and talk to me and uh, they'll say something like, you know what, I just can't, I just can't forgive myself right now or I, I, I just can't talk to God right now. I just, I just feel like just messed up and maybe dirty or I just, I can't approach him right now. And I would say you're forgetting a key element in there. You're focusing too much on yourself and not enough on the work of Jesus Christ. There's nothing about Jesus in there. If you say, I can't approach God because of what's going on in my life right now. No, you can approach God because of what Jesus has done for you. That's why we can approach God. We could never approach God without Jesus Christ. There's nothing we can do. There's no amount of good works that we can get up, muster up enough good works to talk to God maybe a little bit. There's nothing we can do. Our good works are referred to in Scripture as dirty rags before God. So we need Jesus Christ. We need, just, we need Jesus Christ continually. He doesn't save us once, and then we start kind of doing some good works, and then we can talk to God. No, Jesus talks to God for us every single day. Without Jesus Christ, we're messed up and sinful. But through Jesus Christ, we're righteous. That's good. Uh, if your sin or maybe your opinion of yourself is keeping you from God, you're forgetting about Jesus. You're forgetting what Jesus has done. When our state before God, when, when how we view ourselves before God becomes more focused on the good or bad things that we've done and less focused on Jesus and what he's accomplished— We're depending on ourselves for our own advocacy, not Jesus Christ. We're depending on ourselves to talk to God and not Jesus to talk to God for us. We can't depend on ourselves because we're sinful. Uh, uh, Steve just got finished preaching the sermon series, uh, Culture of Offense. And if if you were like me at all, it kind of made you squirm in your seats a little bit. I thought it was a really great sermon. I don't, I don't get to sit down, well, thank you, Wilson, because now I get to come to church. I get to sit in this main service, right? But for a while, I was doing both services, right, up there in junior high and senior high, and I didn't get to sit in the services, but I would ma- I'd make sure to listen to all the podcasts, okay, as they come out, uh, listen to Steve uh, on, uh, on iTunes and whatnot. Um, so it, it made me squirm in my seat in, alone when I'm sitting in my office. I'm like, oh, man, there might be some things that I got to— confess, and I got to repent of, and there might be some unresolved conflict that I got to deal with. And and I think that a lot of you guys maybe felt the same way. And have you ever been in this situation where you've said something you know was really stupid, and, or maybe something was said to you that was really stupid, and uh, when when it happens, it's like, okay, I I don't want to talk to that person anymore. I just need some space before I can talk to them again, because I know I said something wrong. Now I'm embarrassed. I don't want to talk to them. For the first, like, three months, well, actually, probably still happens, that I was here at Northview, I would say stupid things in staff meetings all the time. 
And <laughs> for those of you that are on staff, you're like, yep. Um, <laughs> and this is, what, this is what would happen. Steve would uh, pull me into his office. <laughs> He'd pull me into his office, sit me down. And by the way, I absolutely love this time. I love that Steve calls me out on stuff. And he, he sits me down and says, Brooks, what you said in there wasn't necessarily wrong. It was just inappropriate. <laughs> and I, I've, heard that, I've heard that come out of his mouth so many times. I'm like, oh, dang it, you're, you're, you're right. You're right. I shouldn't have said what I said. That was stupid. That was, I, I wasn't thinking before I was speaking. I was just blurting stuff out. I need to choose my words more carefully. I've got a bad, sinful tendency to just speak before thinking. And especially when I'm tired, like when I haven't slept. So I was really praying last week that I would not say something stupid from the pulpit because I hadn't slept all week because I was at camp. But I was like, oh my goodness, I'm going to say something stupid. By the grace of God, I didn't, I don't think I did. Tell me if I did. But <laughs> Steve, didn't, Steve didn't say anything to me <laughs> before he left. So I think we're good. But I, I've got this tendency to, to do that. Maybe you guys have been in that situation as well. Yeah, okay, you said something you shouldn't have. You, you, you spoke without thinking. You hurt somebody and you didn't intend to. And then the result of it is, oh my gosh, I'm kind of embarrassed. I don't want to talk to that person anymore. I just need some space. And if, we, if, if a long enough time goes by, maybe we'll both kind of forget it and then we can start talking again. Has that ever happened to you guys? It happens to me. We start avoiding people because of things we've done or said. When I was in college, I started avoiding God because of things that I had done or said. I would sin, and then I'd say, okay, I can't approach God right now because this sin is too fresh on me. I can't, I'm thinking about it too much. This sin is too real in my life right now. I gotta wait. And if I wait long enough, then maybe God will forget about it, and maybe I'll kind of forget about it, and then we can just go back to being normal. But what that's doing is forgetting about what Jesus Christ has done. And maybe, some, maybe that's where some of you guys are today. I can't approach God. I, I barely got here to church this morning, and it was only because my wife or my husband wanted me to come, or maybe my kids. And I, I, don't, I'm, I don't want to come to church right now because I don't want to talk to God. I don't want to talk about Jesus because I know I've messed up, and I just need some time to, to get over this. You're forgetting about Jesus. You're forgetting that Jesus lived a perfect life for you and stands before God and speaks to him for you so that God, when he looks at you, looks through Jesus Christ and you're righteous because you are in Jesus Christ. God is not a forgetful God, but he's a gracious God. So we don't have to wait for our sin, to get over our sin. No, that was conquered at the cross. We can go before God confident that we have an advocate in Jesus Christ speaking on our behalf. I talked about depending on God continually, not just for salvation. And that's where the Holy Spirit steps in. The Holy Spirit steps in for us uh, so that we can daily continue to depend on Jesus Christ. Uh, John goes on in verse 2, he says this. Uh, he's their propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. Verse 3, and by this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. 
See, verses uh, like one and two I like. <laughs> Verse three, four, five, and six come along, and it's like, oh, shoot, I don't really want to read those. Because he says things like, <laughs> and, it, and by this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. Whoever says I know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. He uses this word in verse 2, propitiation. And I, I explained a little bit earlier, it's a fancy word, and it's kind of, uh, uh, in youth group I refer to these big words as party words. If you're ever at a theological party with a bunch of theological geeks, I don't know why you would be, that's what I do. But you put it in your back pocket, right? You put it in your back pocket and then you pull it out. Oh yeah, well Jesus Christ is the propitiation for our sins, right? And then if there's a girl that's impressed for single guys, if there's a girl that's impressed with that word, no, she's a keeper. But, <laughs> but propitiation is a good thing. It's a good word. Saying that Jesus Christ stepped in and took what we deserved. We can't approach God because we are sinful. And on the other side of that is we deserve something because we are sinful. We deserve the wrath of God because we have sinned against him. And God's wrath must be poured out. It must be poured out on some, someone or something. In the Old Testament, they would sacrifice animals. That was the wrath of God being poured out on that animal. Jesus Christ says, I will take the wrath of God for you. God's wrath must be poured out, and he poured it out on his son. So there is no more punishment anymore. If you are in Jesus Christ, the wrath of God is, is satisfied in Jesus Christ. That's a good thing. We can go before God now knowing, okay, he's our advocate. He also, he also took the wrath of God for me. The wrath that I deserved. So that his wrath is satisfied and I can go before God rejoicing, knowing that there is no more condemnation in sin. That's a good thing. And if we understand that Jesus Christ is both our advocate and the propitiation for our sins, who, who took the wrath for our sins, we can now rejoice and, John says, live differently. He says, if you understand this, if you know that Jesus is your advocate, and if you know that he took your place underneath God's wrath, you must live differently. Like I said, I like verses 1 and 2. 3 through 6 make me squirm a little bit because it pokes at my life. Right? If you know Jesus, if you know Jesus, if you know God, you will follow his commandments. Verse 6 Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Uh I think sometimes at church, we like Jesus Christ. Hopefully all the time at church, we like Jesus Christ, yeah? Do we like Jesus here? We, we love Jesus, right? <laughs> yeah, okay, you guys are kind of good. Um, <laughs> up in the youth room, hopefully they would scream. Um, we like Jesus, okay? But I, I don't think we always want to be like Jesus, 
And John says, if we abide in him, we ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. We ought to live the same way in which he lived. And that doesn't mean growing a beard and wearing a toga. I can't grow a beard. I wish I could. But John is saying, if you know him, if you abide in him, if you truly spend time with him, then you, you're, you should, your life should resemble Jesus Christ's life. We like Jesus. We like singing songs to Jesus. But sometimes I don't think we want to be like Jesus. We like his humility and compassion, but we always don't want to be humble and compassionate. We like how he served others, but we always don't like serving others. We liked how uh, patient he is, especially with us, right? But we always don't want to be patient with other people. John says, if you know that Jesus is your advocate, and you know that he, he took the wrath of God, then you're going to abide in him, you're going to know him. Your life must look like his life. There's no wiggle room here. He says it, you ought to walk in the way he, in which he walked. You ought to live in the way in which he lived. And I mentioned two kinds of advocates. I mentioned two kinds of advocates. That Jesus Christ is our advocate before God the Father, and the Holy Spirit is our advocate, our helper here on earth. And this is where the Holy Spirit comes in. This is where the Holy Spirit comes in, because walking like Jesus walked, living like he lived, is tough. We need help. We can't do it on our own. So the Holy Spirit empowers us to live differently. And it's only through Jesus that we have access to the Holy Spirit. Is that right? It's only through Jesus that we have access to the Holy Spirit, who is our helper, who empowers us to live differently, to walk like Jesus walked, to truly uh, live differently. So if there's any life change in you, if, if you're becoming more compassionate, if you're becoming more patient, if you're becoming more kind, if you're serving more, you can't take any glory for that because what you have to say is, oh yeah, that's the Holy Spirit working through me. That's the Holy Spirit working through me so that I live more like Jesus Christ. It's nothing of my own power. It's, G it's the Holy Spirit changing me to live more like Jesus. And we have so much freedom because of what Jesus has done for us. Because he stands before God talking to him because he took the wrath of God. So where are you at this morning? Maybe you need to come to Jesus to have life. Maybe, maybe you, you were like me, where you, you sin and you know you've done something wrong, so you wait a little while to talk to God. Maybe you need to realize that Jesus is your advocate, and you can still go to God because of what Jesus has done. Trust in Jesus continually, not just once for salvation, and then the rest is, is your job. No, trust Jesus continually that you can begin to walk like he walks because of the Holy Spirit. And then walk differently because of what he has done in response to what he has done. Now, this whole chapter here is about doing. It's about living differently. And I want to be very clear. Don't get the order reversed. You trust in Jesus so that you live differently. You don't live differently so you can trust in Jesus. Does that make sense? You trust in Jesus so that you can live differently, and you're powered by the Holy Spirit so that you can live differently. Living differently doesn't equal trusting in Jesus. 
the Holy Spirit empowers us to live differently. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's where some of you guys are, where you need, to, you, need to have, you need to have repentance of, okay, I need to get my life in order of viewing Jesus as my advocate, viewing Jesus as the one and only reason, the one and only way that I can access God. That's nothing that I do. It's, it's what Jesus does for me. Maybe some of you guys in this room, you're thinking about this, this idea that Jesus takes your wrath, takes God's wrath for you. And you're like, I don't know if I've trusted in him for that. Maybe some of you are in the path of the wrath of God. And you need to turn your life over to Christ and you need to surrender your life to Christ and trust in him to take God's wrath for you. And it's simple. It's, it's first understanding that there's a separation between you and God. That we can't access God on our own because our good works don't measure up to God's standard. And then it's surrendering your life to Jesus and believing that he is, he is the Son of God, that he died and rose so that we could access God. And then it's trusting in him and surrendering your life to him so that you're no longer that you are no longer the, the commander of your life, but Jesus Christ coordinates it for you. Jesus Christ commands it for you. And it's surrendering the things that you want and handing them over to Jesus Christ. Because he is our advocate before God. We can talk to God. Let's pray. Father, this idea that you, uh, that we have an advocate in Jesus Christ is magnificent. Thank you for what Jesus has done, and we give all glory and honor to him. God, I would pray that we would know Jesus like we know a friend, and that because we know him, our lives would be changed. Help us view Jesus as our advocate before you, so that we can approach you no matter what has gone on in our life. We give you all glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you guys go ahead and